Welcome, my people, to another episode of Exclusive Visions Podcast, Love, Life and Business, where we discuss real life and real business issues that matter. In the building today, we have royalty right now, two phenomenal giants in their own right. First of all, we have the UK Prince of Pan-Africanism, the Mr. I put unity in the black community, the man who says, if you do not bounce a black pound at least 10 times, we're wasting our time. Mr. Daniel Lister. Stretch, make some noise for the good guy. Please. I don't know why this guy's clapping over here, because he's next. We have one of the most underrated UK rappers, one of their best-kept secrets, the UK's version of Killer Mike, Mr. Chris Langay, a.k.a. Tubbs. That was poor. But I still love it anyway. <laughs> I said, like, it's just, you know what? It's cold out here. Um, he was riding on his scooter today, like, forgive Stretch. But we're going to get into this right now because this is the one I've been waiting for, people. This is the podcast which I feel is going to um, really allow us to tackle some key issues, especially within the black community. But first of all, let the guest introduce himself. Daniel, go ahead. Let the world know who you are. My name is Daniel Lister. I'm the founder of My Black Market. That it? Well, what's your well, that's right. <laughs> a, bit, a bit more about yourself. Okay, yeah, so what I'm founder of My do? Black Market. I also founded uh, Buy Black Clothing. Um, but my main business is My Black Market. My Black Market um, essentially supports black-owned businesses to build a black UK economy. Um, we've been going for seven years. Um, we've gone to a database of over 10,000 black-owned UK businesses. And the aim is to create a black UK economy by circulating our money and keeping our money within our community. Okay, thank you very much. Tubbs. Man like Tubbs. That it. That's your whole intro. What would you like to know? Try to sound sexy, fam. This, this is not... Uh, uh, four brothers. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, three brothers. Two sisters. I'm playing with you. Okay. I think I don't remember them in the house. <laughs> 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 All right, so yeah, a bit about you. So what, um, what do you do? I'm Chris Langain. I'm currently an urban a and I work in music. Um, I'm just an individual who cares very much about his community. Okay, and we're definitely going to delve into that. Definitely going to hit that right now. Mm -hmm. So let's not waste no more time. Let's just get straight into this, right? And I want to start with a burning kind of... I say, not even an issue, but it's something there in the um, ether. Where, and Daniel, I want you to answer this one first. Mm -hmm. Where does the whole idea of a black community really come from? I'm not talking about, okay, this group of black people come together living in the area. I'm talking about this, where you see this idea of black, this, this whole homogenous type of approach where we want people to come together. We're expecting everybody who is black to come together, pull together to make something happen. Because through my research in history, I have never seen when black people have come together as one, okay, as the totality of the people itself. Never have I seen that. In Africa, there's always been different tribes everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So where does this idea come from where America should be, all the black people in America should come together to circulate the black pound and make a movement and the same thing within the UK and I guess in other parts of Europe? Where has the idea actually come from? I think you're putting um, unrealistic expectations on the black community when you say, like, no group is homogenous. Mm -hmm. No group all agrees on one, thi on one thing. Um, but the idea that the fact that you've identified a black community in your statement 
you're identifying a group of people because the fact that you're saying it's a community, you're identifying a group of black people who are community. You understand what I'm saying? So that's what the word commune means. It means people that have things in common. So when you're saying a, a black community, it's about people maybe they might not agree on everything, but they're using a point of what they do agree on to identify themselves with. This is how we live in a system of uh, systematic global white supremacy. It's the fact that everybody in that system, although they might be conservative, Democrat, uh, Labour, Republican, they might be believing different things, the fact that they all agree in a system of um, systematic white supremacy, everybody is playing for the same system. And it's about, so even when you look at like, for instance, if you take politics, you talk about left wing, left wing and right wing, it's about their two wings of the same bird. They all want white supremacy, but they're just vying for their version of white supremacy. So the idea yeah. of black unity is that we we may have different views and maybe different viewpoints, but the idea is that we all come together because we identify that it's for the betterment of all of us together. All right. Tubbs, do you honestly believe that's even possible, what he's saying, that black people can really come together to make a change? I mean, a real positive change. Well, if you look at um, December 2017 in Alabama, and that whole election when um, Doug Jones got in, it was a Republican stronghold. No one expected a black Democratic candidate to win. And what was able to get him into office was the black community galvanizing behind him and supporting him. Because, you know, I guess the George Floyd, no, that wasn't even George Floyd, but I guess the, the, the situation at the time, murder, so on and so forth, caused those people to come together, stand up, and over 96% of the black vote was for that candidate. And he got into office. So okay. I think that's an example of proactive black community. All right, so you're, you're, you're talking about times, okay? I'm talking about of now, right? And I, I want you to think about the mentality of now. And I'm literally going to literally throw things out there and I'm going to see what you guys actually think as well. So... Looking at the times now, how things actually are, do you believe, like, our mentality or the mentality of the so-called black community, because I don't believe there is a so-called this black community people talk about, right? I believe there's people from different cultures come together, and I guess that is a form of a small community, but the one where black people come together as one to create that vision, as you said, like, within Alabama, or if we talk about the whole Tulsa incident where a group of people from all over America came to create a great vision within Tulsa um, before it was unfortunately brought <laughs> down and stuff. But my thing is this, right? In today, 2020, has average become a new standard of excellence within the black community because of the things that we have now that we can vote, we can go to work. Um, the husband can go to work, so can the wife. But we no longer strive to do, really want to do better because we are comfortable in our current position. So has average become our newest standard of excellence? Good question. Um, when you put it like that, I guess we, we, we are settling. We've become complacent in terms of, on a whole. But I think it would be ignorant to say that average has become the norm because there's still black excellence within the community and there's still people striving within the community. So I don't think you can negate that. 
I think on a whole, yeah, we've become complacent. But at the end of the day, we live in a society whereby we've taken on board the culture of different people. So if we've taken on board someone's cultural norms, ways of doing things, so on and so forth, we're striving for that model of success. So we were all, you know, in general, we're all striving for that nice house, nice car, 2.4 kids. And you reach that and you think, okay, cool. I'm all right. All right. And, and that's then, the reality of it. Okay. I would agree and disagree. So I would agree to the point where you're saying that we have taken on other people's um, cultures. I don't agree that the standard is average. I think the standard in the black community is actually de degeneracy. I think, like, you know, the culture of black people now is, you know, dictated by, you know, the Cardi B's, the Nicki Minaj's, the Megan Thee Stallions, and everything seems to be about, you know, um, sex and money. That's basically what it is. Like, all the men are kind of basically doing anything for sex. Like, there's no morals, there's no discipline, um, and there's this kind of a rise of, you know, the simpish male or the, or, or, or the, the black man that's not really standing up for masculinity. And it's a point where we're at a point where the black man will pander to do anything just to kind of get some vagina from a woman. And the culture for women now is just prostitution. It's doing anything for money. OnlyFans is rising now. Mm. And like, it's the excuses. Anyone can go on OnlyFans now and it's kind of the cultural. And um, it's all talk about our... Um, getting money for sex and all of these type of things. And I think when you when your standard is um, sex and money, there are no kind of high moral values within the community. There's no, like, pushing for excellence. Um, so I, just, I would say that's the kind of general um, kind of values within the, the system. Now, having said that, there is a, a, a section of the community that has been, like, very interested in entrepreneurship and kind of the kind of talk about buying black and building own and black banking and... So there is a kind of, there's a, a, a separation or a divergence of, you know, um, consciousness within the community. I think 2020 has been a very interesting year because there's been various different incidents that's happened from, you know, the corona for, to George Floyd and to other things that's been happening. And it's kind of, you know, separated the community to the point where it's, it's given um, situations, opportunities for people to kind of declare where they stand and what position they have. So, like, the whole Black Lives Matter movement, when that came, um, it kind of gave a pe uh, people a, an opportunity to say what they're with and what they're not with, and it kind of let people identify themselves, rather than this kind of mundane monotony where everybody's kind of going forward and nobody really knows who's doing what and who's standing for what, and et cetera. So I think that there's, there's, there's definitely a degeneracy, but there's also the opposite of that, people that are opposed to this degeneracy and are pushing for excellence. Okay, so you t you said some quite a few great points there. What I want to like pull on right now, and let's go to the whole Black Lives Matter movement. How has that really, and I'm talking about really, helped the Black community? And I need to stop saying the Black community because, as I said, unless someone could actually show me a what the Black community and really define it for me, but just for argument's sake, right now, how has it really helped Black people really progress and move forward? I know they got. Hey, I saw the research. They got millions. Mm. Okay, from billions. This year, from billions. Billions. Just this year. Five, just this year. Five billion right? this year. Yeah. Just mm. this year. Okay, they got billions. Yeah. Right. How, how? I haven't seen where that money has actually gone and how it's really impacted us. Uh, I know we love a march, mm. but I haven't seen change. Where 
and how has the black movement really made a difference in the black community? You can go first. There's no agenda. Like, black Lives Matter, it's, it's a slogan, you know? Ooh, let's put up a hashtag. Let's, let's, let's post on social media. It's a nonsense. It's a fallacy. It's like, let's go and march without an agenda behind our march. Let's go and say to these people, we're going to make noise, we're going to smash things, we're going to break things, but we don't actually know what we want. We don't actually know why we're here. There's no agenda. So to me, it's all well and good. Don't get me wrong. I like the fact that it, it, it brought people together as a movement. Whether I like it or not, 26 million people in the States in June were marching and so on and so forth. In the streets of London, same time, you know, you had hundreds of thousands of people doing the same thing. And I think that if you could move that or build that community into something with an agenda, with a strategy, with a plan, then maybe it could do something for the community. But as it stands, it's a joke. Five billion pounds, yeah? That's how much was brought in this year. Yeah, but right. not just to Black Lives Matter, that's to all racial equity groups. Yeah, all racial equity groups, okay? Where can anyone tell me how this has actually impacted our community for the better? Anywhere. Like, if anyone can actually show me this, like, I'm happy to be enlightened. But I'm saying that like, I've seen these movements so many times where we make noise, but there's no impact. There's no legacy. There's nothing really behind. There's no substance to what we're doing. And I think that it's that lack of vision and direction, which is just like, it's just so tedious now to watch. Because I believe I was talking to it's either I was either talking to George or I was talking to you. Yeah. And I was saying to you earlier this year, if I can't remember if it was in June or whenever it was happening, and I said, if we have that same energy come August and we're actually making a difference, cool. I will back this all day. And I sat down and I was patient. And come, it was at come end of July, like everything just stopped, it was quiet, something else came up, it was, something else was a new fad at the moment. And I was thinking, in September, where's that energy? Where is all this uh, movement right now? Come on now, Cardi B put out WAP. Come on now, like, what do you mean, what, what are we moving for? Yo! Did you see the back in the video? <laughs> Jeez! <laughs> no, no, seriously. I mean, it's very interesting, I mean, um, exactly to kind of tag on to what you said about um ideology you know um the you know we're living in a system of, of global white supremacy and um we are we are oppressed in every asset and facet of life and to think that you know that they wouldn't try to control us even in their appearance of trying to repair their damage it would be a falsehood so when we're looking at um ideology um if you do uh Kwame Torrey had a famous speech talking about um, the difference between organization and mobilization. Um, and Omoale Africa had a good speech about uh, the difference between um, emotion and emotion and moving under emotion and moving under um, ideology. And the issue is that when these issues happen, people re uh, react and respond emotionally. And they don't um, um, act over um, out of um, ideology. Or there's no real main um like there's they're, they're not reacting with an end goal in mind it's just about reacting it's very easy to mobilize people on emotion but it's difficult to then turn that um mobilization into organization and what we found with the black lives matter movement the the it came about um 
after the whole Ferguson incident. And Ferguson came about um, because there was a lot of um, grassroots activists within the black community that um, organized the protests and, and, and the rallies and different things along those lines. Um, I think it was a brother called Darren Seals who subsequently got murdered um, that actually kind of pushed these things forward. But what you noticed, um, once the, the, um, like the mainstream society saw that the whole kind of Ferguson movement started gaining momentum, they used these what they call NGOs or non-governmental organizations. They started funding these people. So all of a sudden, you've got these leaders like DeRay Davis and, and all of these Nessa and all of these different people that none of the communities have ever heard of. But all of a sudden, the dominant society is propping them up as the black leaders for the community. So these people have co-opted these grassroots movements to them put together this whole Black Lives Matter movement. And when you look at the whole Black Lives Matter movement, them themselves on their website have told you that it's this this movement is not about black people. Black Lives Matter is about LGBT and gay issues. They've said on their um, on website, on their about section, they said that their whole thing is about pushing, making a space for transgender people. And even their whole narrative even speaks about cutting out the black man. Like, there, there's no mention of black... They talk about... The black man yeah, they talk about black families, minus the black man, and they talk about gay black men. That's the only black men that they like is uh, gay black men. <laughs> they talk about and they say trans. this literally... Yeah, black, black trans is literally trans written in writing man. that this is what their, 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 their agendas are. So, right, so, so right now... Oh, they, website, they, 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 they changed it as of about three weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago. So they've changed. But I've got, I've got screenshots of it. I mean, you, can, you, can, you can Google it on um, YouTube and there's people reading through the website and telling you okay. exactly what it is. So, you know, the, when you look at these organisations, um, as I said, even in, in the look of repair of, of, of what the damage has been done to us, they're always trying to find an angle to kind of co-opt it. And when you look at the um, angles that they co-opt um, the black movements, LGBT is one of the main things that they have. So it goes from you know, Black Lives Matter to All Lives Matter or All Black Lives Matter or Trans Lives Matter. And then before you know it, we're talking about LGBT issues. Then the, then the, then the conversation transfers to, well, black people are also um, homophobic too. And then we have a whole way, we, we move away from the idea that black people are the victims and now black people are the aggressors and that, that whole thing. Then we also see another um, thing that they use to move away from it is the whole you know, the whole Jewish kind of side of things. We saw that with Nick Cannon, where, where Nick Cannon was speaking about our um, what things that have happened to us, and then all of a sudden the, 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 the conversation goes to anti-Semitism. Same thing happened with Wiley over here. That was another Shout distraction that they used over Shout here. Shout out Nick Cannon. Yeah, do you see what I'm yeah. saying? And then the, the third thing that they always use is the feminism thing, where it becomes about Breonna Taylor, and then it's, oh, well... Black women are so unprotected, and then you get the Megan the Stallions, and all of these things are used to distract away from the idea that you know black people are the people that need repair and need focus on. So a lot of these movements are used to kind of uh, disseminate the, the energy that's focused on black people to other different movements and different organisations, and this is why we can't gain momentum because there's no ideology behind it in, in moving forward. And even when you look at the term, you know, Black Lives Matter, we've gone from Black Power to well, just Black Lives Matter, at least. It's like, even, even, <laughs> the, even the statement itself is very submissive. It's like, who are you trying to appeal to when you say Black Lives Matter? When we even look at the slogans begging. that... Yeah, we're begging. Even when you look at the slogans that we use, 
hands up, don't shoot, and people laying on the ground. And Not me, brethren. All of this is submissive <laughs> behaviour. So all of this is conditioning people to become submissive um, to the system. So, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement is very problematic. But to answer your question, has there been any good? I guess there's been some consciousness of people being aware of kind of black issues and different things. So there's been a certain energy of people kind of uh, moving towards like trying to even speak about black issues a bit more. Um, I've been running my black market for seven years. So I've been around since, you know, the Mike Browns and all of these higher profile different incidents. And I noticed that we get an influx of um, attention and energy while these things happen. But, but, um, you know, these things are very temporary. People get emotional, and once the emotion dies down, again, we go back to Cardi B's and our WAPs, and people are not interested. I mean, I heard literally a couple of weeks in, I heard black people saying, oh, can we get off this Black Lives Matter thing and can we get back to normal? So for a lot of us, as I said, 2020 has been an interesting year because these issues have differentiated people. Some people are comfortable with the status quo. Some people are comfortable with oppression, mm. you know, and these things kind of separate us. We kind of think that, you know, this idea that on the, the slave plantation, all of us would have fought to get loose. No, a lot of people actually enjoyed the slave plantation. And we're seeing it now, like a lot of people enjoy the slumming and the lack of responsibility and the lack of direction. So I think, you know, as these incidents start popping up, it kind of differentiates what people's character really is and what their agenda is. And I totally agree with um, some of the things you're saying. And you're, like, right now you're dropping golden nuggets. But it goes back to my earlier question, has average become our new standard of excellence? And I do believe in some part we have this lackadaisy attitude towards certain parts of our growth and I guess taking ourselves from where we are to where I believe um, a lot of us can be from the African and Caribbean community. Mm. I don't feel that we are, we are putting in the energy and I don't feel that we have that focus and vision right now to really make a difference. And I'm gonna, but, hit, no, but I'm gonna is... hit you another question though, okay? okay on top of that, real quick. Right. Actually, no. What are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? Because this is your guess. I was gonna say that you know, if you look at any group, not the total whole sum of all the every group. But is they have group. a foundation though. What does that mean? Like right, they have structure. The, the foundation is white, they have structure, of white supremacy. That is the foundation. But they have yeah. structure. They, they have financial structure. They have educational institutions. They, right, they but have that's stuff. not the that's not the whole they group. Have monopolies. Yeah, but they yeah. have but they have things in place to look after the whole though. Right, but so, that, that 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 comes from a system of systematic white supremacy. Right, so every group benefits. So the the the, the plan is set up against us. But even when you're saying that, you're saying that like. There is not degeneracy in all cultures and in all groups. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. I'm not saying that at all. Don't, don't act like a lawyer in front of me. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where's in my mouth, yo. But, but, I, I know but, what I'm saying. I'm definitely not like saying that. You're putting the expectation on the, the black community to be different to, like, like the, the expectation that you're putting on, on us is, is, is We should like, be unrealistic. doing better, 100%. Are you of course like, we no, should no, no, be no, doing no. better, we should but be it's, doing not, much it's not realistic to expect so, so, the no, whole so, Okay, let me ask you a question. So you're telling me right now, right, like... People have like us, okay. I'm not talking about the wind rush. I'm talking before the wind rush and the wind rush and all that stuff. Mm. Are you telling me right now, as a as um, people from African and Caribbean um, communities, we should not be doing better, like across you, all the boards? I'm talking about can education. I, can I just say that? I'm about it within can I just say that in Sorry. education, Nigerians are winning. You know. Go on. You're not mic. You're not mic. You know. You want to speak to the mic? George. George. No, go on. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Okay. This is George, people. Mm. It's not just Tulsa that has happened. Over the years, mm. there's been so many communities that were established. Even Central Park. There's a part in Central Park 
There was a community by black people. Mm, Seneca Village, mm-hmm. it was called. Which then got bulldozed as well. Mm. And there's been so, so many over the years that people haven't heard of that basically everything was established got taken down. Mm. Everything got established. So it's not that black people haven't tried. They have it. And they've even succeeded, like basically flourished. But then, as you said, white supremacy comes, white ban comes, and bulldozed it down to the point people are thinking, you know what? It's, 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 it's being it's tried actually, again as we speak. Yeah. I mean, it's ironic. It's, it's, I mean, it's ironic that we're. Can I reveal the location of the studio? Of course you can. Okay, so it's ironic that we're in Dawson because um, have you ever heard of a company called or people called Dyke and Dryden? Ah, uh, no. Yes. So Dyke and Dryden. Yeah. Uh, yeah so basically, mm-hmm. Dyke and Dryden were the first black UK millionaires, and they had a basically. Oh, the hair shop people. Yeah, they yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. had a, a hair um, mm. empire, and they manufactured their own products. Um, um, and they went through all issues of even trying to just manufacture combs and things like that. Um, they're actually the ones that founded the, the Afro Hair and Beauty Show that used to be at um, Alexandria Palace is now in, in, in Angel. But ironically, why I said where we were in Dawson, they actually um, set up, they had a shop in Dawson, in, in Dawson Market, um, which was flourishing. And just to show you, as George said about, you know, how the handle white supremacy um, works, what, when they was shown that they were succeeding, the actual council actually said that um, so all of a sudden now we want to build a train station and we want to build a train station right where the site of your shop is. So they, Dyke and Dryden, went through a whole kind of legal case trying to fight the council because the council wanted to bulldoze their particular shop to say that this is where we want to um, build a, a, a train station. And we find that with a lot of our communities, whenever we start flourishing, the first thing they will do, they'll build like a motorway or like a freeway through it. So... Um, this is a constant thing. People like to talk about slavery as if slavery was an incident that happened 400 years ago and now everybody is just equal and free. No, um, white supremacy has just changed its, um, the, the way in which it works. Like I said, now we're... So, um, slavery is kind of moved into more of a capitalistic type of system and now they oppress us um, systematically through economics. Okay. Do you want to add to this? No, thank you. Okay, <laughs> so cool. everything I needed so, to be said. So, from what you're saying right now, right, <clears throat> and I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, are you, are we waiting for, from people from the African and Caribbean um, diaspora? And I know, as you said earlier, Nigerians are doing very, very well in education, okay, which is true. But from the African diaspora, are we waiting for a savior, like um, um, Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, to come through and lead the way, set the vision so we can actually do better now and rebuild. Because I see for myself, right, um, your boy, not mine, your boy, Dr. Umar Johnson, right? Hey, he, my boy. Yes, your boy, okay? As I said, yeah, you wrote in bare emails and he never got back to you, <laughs> like so many other people. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know where that story came from. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but people like that, okay, um, Brother Palai or Pharaoh, I seen these guys who like, are great on the altar. Like, I call them pimp pastors, right? They're great up there. They sound great orators. And people flock towards them. And people invested in Umar Johnson's uh, magical school. They wanted to see these things happen. But it was, as long as someone was there leading them, like a shepherd and sheep, it was okay. But the fact that there's no Marcus Garvey right now, there isn't um, a Malcolm X or a... um, uh, what's the other guy? Um, MLK and uh, Martin Luther King, right? These they ain't no savior at this present time and moment. Do you feel okay that 
we are waiting for someone to come and step up and lead by example. Any one of you? Um, yeah, when you, when you look at other groups, you know, other groups don't have... No, who's the leader of white people? Who's the leader of Asian people? Who's the leader of other groups? Like, who's the leader of Arab people? They don't have any leaders. It's always expected that we're supposed to have a leader. The leader in our community is supposed to be the ideology or the code. We're supposed to operate under a code of conduct. It's like, as I said, when you're going back to white supremacy, white supremacy is a code amongst people. Like, people, like, white people don't sit down amongst each other and necessarily discuss, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. This is, these are things that are installed in them and they understand as a people. So whether it's, you know, the police officers beating people or, you know, Karen's calling the police on, on, <laughs> on black people, everybody is working for the same ideology, which is white supremacy. Um, when you talk about um, are we waiting for a leader, yes. Um, this is kind of like, you know, again, going back to white supremacy, white supremacy is not just a, a physical thing where it was whips and chains and, and where it's an economic thing. It was also a mental thing. So, um, you know, is it Bob Marley says, release yourself from mental slavery. You know, it was about, a lot of it is, is mental. So a lot of our community has got into this habit of, you know, when we go to church and having... The pastor preaching and people all people do is sit back and oh the pastors are going to save us or you know Malcolm X is going to save us or Martin Luther King we're always kind of looking for this savior and especially this white savior um and I think that whole idea is wrong you know uh, we are the help that we are looking for so um I just I agree that um the fact that we are looking for a savior is wrong and the idea is that we're supposed to build a code that we all work towards this code and we all improve each other okay I think it's very simple. Gender, ideology, codes, culture. Um, I believe we're just suffering from not having one. We don't have, you know, if we look at any of the communities that you mentioned, they have things that unify them. So whether that be religion and their religious ideology, and then as a result of that, your Muslim brother will say to you, what you're doing there is haram, brother. You know, you'll get, you'll get exited out of the group. We don't have any standards as a community. So for example, when you see me doing certain things, as my brother, you you hit me up and say, bro, you can't do that. Like we don't move like that. Mm. Do better than that. So on and so forth. But that is not a standard within the community. And until you standardize forms of behavior, so on and so forth, everyone's not going to be pulling in a different direction. Goes back to the fact that we're all sharing other people's cultures. So you might be LGBT. You might be the trans movement. You might be people that think they're clouds, whatever, right? But at the end of the day, we're all pulling, as my brother said, in different directions, and it's by design. So for me, I think for, the, for, for people like us, it's about talking, sharing information and knowledge, but I think it's about education for the community and just having some standardised norms for our youth coming up. And also, I'd say, like, you know, part of that is the removal of, you know, the black man from the family. So when you look at the black man, the black male is supposed to be the leadership of the family, He's supposed to be like the guidance, the rules and the regulations of the family. Um, and there's been like a heavy agenda to remove the black uh, man from the family. So when you're looking at slavery, there was a thing called butt breaking where they would intentionally, you know, um, undermine the black men in front of their family. Like, so they would basically put him in front of the whole, like the, they'd take the strongest black man and they would sodomise him in front of the whole group and they would do various different things just to kind of... Sodomise him, you mean like... like hit, him from, hit him from the back? 
I don't know what they do in their movements. I don't know. You say sodomizing, so I just want to make sure that we're on the same page. LGBT, Dean, yeah, 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 yeah. Prison breaking him, yeah. Guess who crept you through the back door? Okay, we should be laughing about that. Yeah, so, like, so, so basically, this is what they would do to basically undermine the leadership in black men. And there's been a a constant um, agenda, even like, again, going back to the whole culture and the code that we're talking about, it says, I don't need no man, independent, I-E-N-D-E-P-E-N, I I don't know how to spell it, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) independent and all of these things. So so when we um, do these type of things, it remove when you move the the mayor from the house, um, then it removes the kind of le- um, the leadership and that kind of male guidance, that kind of set rules and set boundaries. You know, males are very logical, while females are very emotional. So um, the, the 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 male aspect of being like logical like keeps that guidance, and you kind of see statistics when you remove the um, male guidance from the house, um, what it kind of does to the children and kind of the direction that we end up going in. So. I think, you know, the ideology and that enforcement from the community, you know, we're supposed to have uh, leadership within the house. It's not supposed to be one leader. It's supposed to be every family is supposed to have that kind of guidance that kind of keeps us on track and keeps us straight. Why do you think, okay, um, right now, touching upon what he's saying, men not being in a household, men may not be even feeling valued to be in a household. Why do you think that's happening? The welfare state. Feminism. Um, what do you mean by fe- feminism? Empowerment of women. Um, for me, all right, so for me, feminism is not really, it's not a black issue. It's the white woman's issue with her man. Fair or not fair, right? Because as black men, we are not the patriarchy. We haven't been in a position of power. We got freedom the same time our, time our women got freedom. So what are you standing up against? Who are you rising up against? Mm. Don't bring that in my house, <laughs> right? So, for example, I always use this little um, analogy, Bonnie and Clyde, right? So, for example, you've got Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde, they've been running around, raping and pillaging, murdering, doing everything together. Now, Bonnie and Clyde, they're the white man and the white woman, right? So they've been running around, cool. They've decided, all right, you know what? Let's leave Keisha... And, and Jordan, right, in their house. We've taken on everything we want to take from them. Cool, no worries. But then Bonnie says to Clyde, you know what, Clyde? From everything we stole, you didn't give me enough. I want a bit more. I don't think you treat me fair, mm. right? And so Clyde says to Bonnie, woman, shut your mouth. Play your position. I built all of this for you. So they're having their own struggles. So Bonnie thinks, all right, you know what? I need numbers. Who am I going to go and get? What am I going to do? Bonnie comes to get Keisha. And she says to Keisha, you know what, sister? We're women. Girl power. Stand with me. And what happens? Keisha goes with Bonnie. She doesn't stand with Jordan. She leaves him to fight by himself. And that's what's happened to our whole community. And Okay, so... That was a great analogy, by the way. I was actually engrossed in the whole story. I was thinking, bro, like, what's going to be said happening? The script, the movie I, I, I said, yeah. Special effects. Okay. Michael so, yeah. Bay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, how do you think that has impacted um, the the black household in that way? Where power dynamics. Mm-hmm. So, for example, regardless, my woman could earn more than me. She cannot speak to me a certain way because she earns more than me. You don't manage me. I'm the man of the house, and you'll talk to me as such. But does that structure even exist today, though? It doesn't. 
because... But if it's, is it supposed to even exist today? When you say supposed to even exist, so is, is there not supposed like, to be Like, you're the man of the energy? house, what does that actually mean? So you have responsibilities. Okay. As a man of the house. Like, you see, the, the thing is, right, people get carried away when you make statements like the man of the house, so on mm. and so forth. As a man, you're the protector, you're the provider of that family. Like, there's responsibilities. It's not just when I get home, bitch, pardon my French, <laughs> have my dinner on the table. Mm -hmm. If you don't have my dinner on the table, we've got problems. It's, it's, not, it's not that straightforward. It's not that archaic, you know. That's a few generations ago. But at the end of the day, there still needs to be structure. As Daniel I mean, clearly said. Like when you um when you look at um feminism, feminism again is just white supremacy in a different form. So when uh feminism came from white supremacy, it's basically a, another angle to attack. So the ultimate aim of um white supremacy is to attack the black man, because you always find like in in war it's always the male that they will attack, and then they will generally with the with the females they will generally um enslave them or kind of um absorb them into their group. There's always the man, man that's the warrior that is always the kind of issue and the problem. So the idea of um, white supremacy is, one of the, the, the arms of it is to turn the black woman against the black man. So when you look at uh, uh, feminism, it's, it's white supremacy through females. And just to attach to what the brothers said, like this idea that a lot of um, sisters are taking on with this kind of whole um, black feminism thing, it's an oxymoron because you can't have black feminism because... Um, feminism, as the brother said, is not a, a black issue. It's it's a white issue. You know, the idea of feminism is that um, the uh, the man oppresses the woman, but with the black woman, is like the black man is not oppressing the, the black woman because the black man does not own and control anything. So how are we oppressing it if we're not in control? And it kind of goes into this whole narrative of inter intersectionality, and it, it got kind of speaks back to what I was saying earlier about this whole kind of cowardice in our community of people trying to you know, get out of the fight and the struggle that they need to do to improve the community. Everybody's kind of looking for the easy way out. When you look at intersectionality, intersectionality is like saying, well, I'm a black woman. So if I was to say, like, well, I'm a black man, but I'm a black man that's six foot two, and I'm light-skinned, and I'm from North London, and just say it's you, brother. Just say you want resources and things <laughs> for you. So, you know what I'm saying? By the time we whittle it down to all the different, um, to the different groups, you're basically saying, city, yeah. I want stuff for me. I'm not about the group. I'm trying to find an angle for where I can get yeah, my own I kind. I, yeah, yeah, I want to win. So I'm not about group. But I'm making it look like it's righteous and we're about a cause, but really, I want something for me. So I'm going to narrow down the categories enough to the point that I can actually get something. So, um, so... The whole idea of turning um, the black man against the uh, uh, black woman against the black man has come through this feminism. Even when you look at um, again going back to um, what the brothers to watch, touch on what the brothers said, like the whole idea of this kind of thing came in from the government. So um, the woman, by her nature, is a follower by nature. So she's going to be following some someone. So she's not following her man. She's going to be following you know the white man, which is essentially the government. Um, um, what the kind of tactics that they use in white supremacy was, you know, this idea that you know. If you get the black man out of the house, we they essentially become your man. So if you if you become a single mother, we will now start giving you money. We'll give you benefits. We'll give you child benefits. Um, you know, we'll we'll give you housing. Everybody knows that if you're a single mom, you'll get housing. Um, also, like you know, if you go for a custody battle, we'll give you the child. So it's all of this idea of you know the black woman has moved away from being on the side of the black man and moved moved to the side of being on the government or the white man. And they kind of work in concert against the black man to basically destroy the black family. And what you're seeing now is um, 
the kind of generation of males that are being brought up now with no masculinity within the household is a very feminist um, or a very feminine type of masculinity. It's very beta male, and it's kind of the whole idea again is to remove that masculinity from the from the black household. So there's this idea that any type of masculinity is toxic now. That's the, what, that's what toxic masculinity means. It's, it's just basically masculinity, and we're looking at a situation now where. You know, the community is not used to that hearing um, black males um, talk or speak in a, in, a, in a thing of authority or any kind of respect respect of um, black masculinity. And it's interesting because we've had like two um, incidents recently um, with uh, the, the, the two Kevins. There was Kevin Kelly and there was Kevin Samuels. So um, I don't know if people are aware. So Kevin Kelly was basically uh, a very successful black man. I think he's actually a lawyer. And he also opened up a um, restaurant called Truth Kitchen and Cocktails. And this is in America. And he's basically a, a black man is very successful. He had made like a classy black restaurant. Mm. And black women came in there and they started twerking on his glass table. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, all I saw these that. things. And like he kind of came over to them and said, you know, please, you know, can you not twerk on the glass tables? Basically, he basically pleaded with them, please. Mm. Went away. They started doing it again. He came back again, said to them, please, can we you not do that? Went away, they did it again. So eventually he got to the point where he had to just kind of like lock off the music and tell them, listen, I'm trying to do something nice for black people. I'm trying to, um, you know, you know uh, do something that is kind of classy for us. Um, and you're kind of basically keep bringing down the tone with twerking, just twerking everywhere. So can you get the hell out of my restaurant? And they said, hell, he said, fuck. I can swear your <laughs> yeah. podcast, yeah, yeah. He said, get the fuck out of my restaurant. I don't really need you, need your... Um, need your patronism. And the whole community was out, out in uprage. And the thing is, he was right, you know. He, he, he his restaurant, and he don't want to bring down the tone. And people don't want people shaking their stunk ass next to my food, you get me? Mine's eating a plate of curry goat or something. And then <laughs> i got batty flaps going around next to my food, you know what I'm saying? But I think the whole idea is that, you know, we're not used to hearing black men in a position of power, and we don't respect a black man. We see a black man in a position of leadership, he owns his own restaurant, he's a leader, but it's the whole idea of, even though it's his restaurant, I'm going to twerk and I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. The second instance was um, recently with Kevin Samuels, which was, um, there was there's an interview going around um, where he has a call-in show on the internet. And basically, the headline of the, 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 the call was basically, um, Kevin Samuels says this woman is average and at she's going to die alone. Average yeah, at best, yeah, she's yeah, going to yeah, die yeah. alone. Um, and, and the issue was, like, again, he just spoke to the woman, um, with, which basically... He's a coach, her. right? Well, he's a he's a um, image consultant. Yeah, okay, that's what yeah. he is. But he has, but through his um, through his kind of um, time as an image consultant, it kind of led into dating because a lot of people wanted to improve their uh, image to to get dates and get married. Was that when you talking about single mother? There's a, there's been a she few, a, yeah. There's, there's, yeah, 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 there's yeah. been a few different kids, but there's one, mother. yeah, there's yeah. one that come across recently. Mm. And basically, long story short. She rated herself as average, yeah. and he said, "If you're average people get average people, which is just a logical statement." But I think we, like a lot of people, were, were outraged about what he said to her, and we, because we live in a feminist society, this idea that you've always got to pander to women or you've always got to kind of kiss their ass and you can't really tell them the truth and all these things, and like the whole kind of consensus is with um, Kevin Samuels that he told her the truth. But he said it in a in a in a in a bad way, or it's the way he said it. And I think it's just the, the whole idea that the fact that you've got a straight um, black man giving direction and guidance is something that we're not used to within the community. Whenever we see black men uh, propped up, they're never in a kind of leadership role. Even when you look at like films and TV, the black male is always, uh, or the, even just the, not even the black male, just the man alone is usually um, shown as a buffoon. Like we look at Homer Simpson and people like that. 
is the kind of ideology. Or if they like black men... Sorry, Hobbiton is not black. Yeah, I said not black men. I said male in general. When you oh, look okay. At, yeah, okay. When you look at it, you look at it. <laughs> Obviously, you're right. Um, <laughs> but like, even like when you look when you look at black men, the type of black men that they like are, you know, moist LGBT black men. You know what I'm saying? It's either black man's got to be in a dress if he's kind of doing anything, or they like um, Little Nas X. They want every black man to be Little Nas X. Do you understand mm. what I'm saying? So it's this idea of bringing a culture of removing black masculinity from basically society and anytime like a black man tries to st stand up and take that leadership position within the community and give guidance and structure it's received very badly okay so from what you're saying i'm just going to throw something out there right and i want you to answer this first has the elevation of black women been detrimental in the black family <laughs> i think uh, uh, <sighs> If you take the mother out of the home, the children suffer. So in 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 the black woman being empowered, um, given that home, given that that money monthly, so on and so forth, given the opportunity for free study, she becomes empowered. She gets better jobs, so on and so forth. Um, she wants the things that come with that, nicer things, so on and so forth. She goes out to work, spends less time with her children. There's an impact to that. So if we look at the community right now, let's say, and I don't agree with these stats, but that's what I was able to find. Twenty-four percent of of um, yeah, I find I don't yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's more, I think yeah. it's higher than that. But they say twenty-four percent of um black black, black black homes are single parent homes, right? I, I think it's a higher proportion than that. But cool, twenty-four percent. Now, at the end of the day, if you've got such and a lot, the the majority of those are single mothers, and if you've got such a large proportion single mothers and the, the the figures are saying that a large proportion of these people end up committing crimes or some form of exhibit some form of degeneracy there has to be an argument that taking a woman out of the home or empowering the woman has had a negative effect or a negative impact i don't know another community right let me get started i don't know another community whereby the women are put as the figurehead show me one Name one community where the women run it. Name one. One successful community. No one can. So what's been happening to the black man? He's right. Our image has been completely destroyed. You've taken us away from the leadership position of our community, given it to our women. And I hate to say this, sisters, because I love you, but you're not doing a good job. So at the end of the day, something does have to give. All right. So from what you're saying... And again, please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. You're saying women, black women can't be good leaders or are not capable of being black um, are not, or shouldn't really be leading within the black community. I'm saying that to fight for a community, to stand for a community in a war, it's going to be the man that's going to be on the front line. Like, the white man is not, not the figurehead of his community. Chinese man is not, not the figurehead of his community, the Asian man. So why is it an issue for me to make a statement like the black man should be the head of his community? Why is that a problem? Why is that threatening to anybody? All right. I, I, I just want to make sure, because right now I feel like I am walking on flipping thin ice. Very thin I, ice. I, I, I'm not saying this. There's a bomb right there. Hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on. on. Let, me on. Just, let, me just, let me just clarify, right? I'm not yeah. saying that black women can't lead, right? I've had jobs before where my managers have been black females and 
the best managers I've had have been black females, in all honesty, mm -hmm. right? So I'm not saying that a woman can't lead, but I'm saying there's a massive difference between leading a home and being my manager at work. Okay, so where does so, accountability come from then when some like, and I'm going to throw this out there, like there are some people who, like for me personally, before they have children should actually go seek help first, right? Mm -hmm. like, to really like, unlearn some past traumas and things yeah, like definitely. that. Yeah, um, definitely. And then start a family with someone. But I feel I've seen too many people, dysfunctional people get together and raise dysfunctional kids, right? When do we start taking accountability for things like that? How do you mean? As in the men? Yeah, the men, the women. Who, who should really be starting that? Who should really be saying, okay, you know what? Before we jump into a relationship, let's get ourselves right first. I think it's... Do you know what? It's interesting. I was speaking to um, a friend of mine, and she's from Zambia. Don't quote me. And she was telling me about um, the fact that she was going to be getting married and so on and so forth. And she goes through certain rites with her grandma. Her grandma will be teaching her things, even down to positions he's supposed to take in the bedroom and so on and so forth, right? And to me, it seems like we've lost that. Because we're so interested in taking on board everyone else's culture, nobody sits down with black children and says to them, this is how things need to be. This is how we do things. This is how we are. This is what you're about. This is your position in the grand scheme of life, so on and so forth. So you don't educate these children. You don't tell them who they are, who they're supposed to be. You let society educate them, a society that doesn't like you and your people. And then they hit adulthood and you blame them. It's nonsense. Mm. Well, I would say, you know, um, the empowerment of the black woman is good. I mean, any type of empowerment of black people is good. But again, this goes back to, you know, code of conduct and ideology. Like, what are you empowering someone to do? Like, you can't just, like, even when you say empowerment, you empower somebody to do something. I mean, all of this empowerment that the black women have received, has the black community moved forward? Has the black community improved? No, because the empowerment has come from the system of white supremacy. Again, it's, it's, it's agenda, it's agendaized, if that's a word, um, to utilize the black woman against the black man. So it's like, it's like I'm going to empower you against the black man instead of empower you with the black man. And, um, I mean, even, as you said, you feel, feel like a bomb's about to drop, you feel, you feel like you walk on an eggshell. It's like, just to, like in this current climate of society where we're in, just for a black man to say he wants to be a leader of his own home is like, ooh, it's a bit, you know, it, it, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be feeling like that. And, um, you know, as the brother said, you know, other communities, the black male is a leadership. Um, it's only our community where the woman is the leader and proud of it. You know, that's dysfunction. Like, the, the woman in her nature doesn't want to be the leader. A, a woman wants to be a follower. She's a follower by nature. She's a, um, the, the black woman is, you know, not even a black woman, women by, by nature always say that they want a leader. Like, leadership is part of masculinity. So the fact that, you know, you, you, you don't want people to be in their rightful position, that's um, disorder and that's, that's chaos. So I think a lot of this is, again, it's a lot of it coming back down to, like, ego and people, you know, getting into their feelings and it doesn't sound right and I feel bad about saying the black man is the leader and I feel, and all of this feeling, feeling, feeling goes back to the whole kind of, feminine energy that surrounds our community and, 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 our, and our families. You know, the, the, the logical thing, which is a masculine thing, is to say that the black man is the leader. Wow. All right, cool. So I'm more about literally solutions more than anything else. And today, that like, to me personally, this, this is like, been, like, we need to have this every single week. But I'm not a talking person. I'm, a, I'm more of an action, putting something together, making things happen, right? So... I've, I've got some solutions 
I know that I'm not just talking about I'm putting into practice as well um, in certain things that I'm doing. So I've created Exclusive Visions Tribe and we've got great like-minded individ individuals coming on board and who are who want to do better. And those are the people I love, I'm giving my attention to. So I said from next year, if you're not part of my tribe, I'm not talking to you. Like, I've got time only for my people. Mm. So, um, and if you're not, like I said, Tribe, excuse me, yeah, all of that stuff. <laughs> so, just looking at where we are as a people, right? The um, Caribbean African diaspora. I feel there's four things for me that we, before we can have a financial revolution, before we can have an educational revolution, before we can have um, any type of revolution, the first one that we've got to have is an internal revolution. So I feel that we have to unlearn a lot of our past traumas, a lot of our stuff that's been passed down through us through different generations and really get to grips of the stuff that we don't talk about. Like, really stop, like, let's literally empty that closet. Our closet must be so full right now. And I really feel that we need to literally just let it all go because you can't grasp onto the future if you keep holding on to the past. So I feel... Uncovering um, our past issues, making sure that we take ourselves through whatever it is, if it's counseling, therapy, whatever we need to do, going to different groups and allowing ourselves to heal from what the, the past traumas that has happened to us. That to me is the first thing that we need to do. The next, after we've done the healing and we we're on that pathway of doing better is then to invest in ourselves, to really understand what is that? Um, what is it that we're supposed to be doing on this earth? What is our purpose? And I'm talking about for that individual to really find and hone into that, to really make that difference within themselves. So probably going back and doing an education, probably joining groups, like going on to Eventbrite, Meetup and things like that, and broadening your mind to new horizons so you can tap into what you want to be doing. And then once you've done that, number three is develop your, fi your own financial position. We haven't really been taught how to financially grow. And I think it's from um, Dr. Dennis Kimbrough said it the best, right? If you teach a man how to fish, you'll feed him for a day. If you, uh, sorry, if you give a man a fish, you, you'll feed him for a day. If you teach a man how to fish, um, he'll be able to feed himself and his family. But if you teach a man how to buy the pond, he will then be able to leave a legacy. And that's what I feel we need to start thinking about, elevating our financial position to a point where we're leaving, there's a legacies in place now. Because I don't think there's any legacy agenda in our financial position. And that to me, okay, is, especially in 2020, we can't do that. Like, just taking out a will or taking out life insurance, okay? So if you die, your, your family has something, okay, um, after you have passed away, even if you have no savings, but at least you have a life insurance. Put the basics in place. So things like that. And then finally for me is really tapping into your purpose again. Like finding that value of who you are and really strengthening it, getting a return on your investment from the purpose and your value that you have. For me, when people say, oh, when you're starting a job, start from your passion. No, no, shut up. No, seriously, stop that, right? Literally, find what your purpose is, mm. right? And from your purpose, you'll find exactly what you can be doing to be of value to other people and to yourself that will make you money and other people money. Because, yeah, you might be passionate about um, skydiving and that's your thing, but you're not gonna you're not gonna be making money from just skydiving, right? But 
Your purpose is, okay, you may be a fantastic artist or a fantastic dentist. Be that. Be the best what you can be, and then everything else will follow. So those are my four things, okay, which I feel as the African diaspora, we should focus on to have that direction, to have that vision, to start somewhere. What's your thoughts, sir? For me, I think I agree, but I think that's very individual. Okay. Um, I think collectively, you know, when you go through trauma and you're suffering PTSD, which we are, um, you do need... PTSD being? Post-traumatic stress. Okay. Disorder. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Right mm. now, at the end of the day, when you're when you're suffering a, a disorder like that, yeah, you do need to seek counselling and so on and so forth. The issue is though, right? We're in the real world and we're competing right now. So for me, I think it's all well and good, but if I, for example, just take me for example, you unpack certain things, mm. and it can lead elsewhere, and it can lead elsewhere, and it can lead elsewhere. In the meantime, you still got bills to pay. You still got family to take care of. You still got so on and so. So I think sometimes some of these ideas we have, I think they're they're beautiful, but in terms of of practice, how how achievable are they? Whereas for me, I think it starts with education, with the youth, so on and so forth. Just trying to empower black children, teaching them about community, making them love each other, so on and so forth. Little things like that, because. And then coming together as a collective to have real frank discussions because you go through a trauma, slaveryism, uh, slavery, colonialism, and so on and so forth, and you don't actually sit down at the end of that when you're given your supposed freedom and say, all right, cool, this is who we're going to be. This is who we are going forward. This is our ideology. This is where we're trying to get to. You don't actually have that discussion that you're just thrown into the world. Your children grow up being educated by the same people who subjugated them. Like, is it? What do you think is going to happen? Okay. So, let's take accountability and make something change. I mean, I agree with um, what you said um, about uh, getting therapy. It's something that we definitely need as a community. Um, you know, it's PTSD, but there's also um, Dr. Joy DeGruy, um spoke speaks about like post-traumatic, I think it's called slave disorder or slave yeah. syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's the whole thing. And like, you know, again... People think slavery has ended. Slavery hasn't ended. It's just uh, morphed into a different format. Yeah, it's just a different format. So um, I definitely uh, agree with that. Um, Meetups with like-minded people, as you said, I think that's definitely um, something that we need to do. Again, you know, those WAPs and those non-WAPs need to segregate <laughs> themselves into who's about what and different things. Um, and um, what's your second one? I can't remember what's your second. Invest in yourself. Yeah, definitely people need to invest in themselves. Again, taking care of their health, especially mental health. Um, I, that kind of ties into the first one as well. Um, and then your last one about, you know, uh, financial, um, we say literacy and financial education. Yeah, yeah. yeah so me personally, I'm, I'm a big advocate of uh, Dr. Claude Anderson's Powernomics Plan. And essentially, um, long story short, Dr. Claude Anderson's Powernomics Plan is like a five-story building where he says, um, the ground floor, you start with uh, economics. You take the economics to go to the the first floor, which is um, politics. You use that money from, the, um, from your economics to then buy your politicians. You take those politicians from the um, first floor to then um, influence your police and court systems through, um, through uh, government and legislation. Um, then from the uh, police and court systems, you create your own... I feel like I'm missing one. Hold on. You create your own media. 
um, and your media allows you to communicate with your people and set your own narrative for your people. And then the fifth floor, the top floor is education. And the reason why I said education is the last one because, you know, this whole narrative that um, you've got to get educated and, you know, black women are the most educated. And again, these things don't approve our, our society because it goes back to ideology and agenda. What are you getting educated in? You're getting educated in a system of white supremacy. What are you get educated for to push forward the system of white supremacy. So the education comes last because if you don't have a, an economy or a system to apply the education, it's the, the education is not going to benefit yourself. So um, so again, so this is what we do with My Black Market is basically organize the businesses to create a foundation or an economic foundation in order to kind of build this powernomic structure and this powernomic system. So um, in terms of solution, powernomics is definitely the thing that I kind of <coughs> adhere to. Fantastic. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. I just want to ask you, do you have any upcoming events? Lockdown. That's the next. That's the yeah. coming. <laughs> Not really, but um, we do. Uh, we are going to be uh, launching like a back business growth program um, mm. coming up soon. That's um, something that we're kind of working on. So um, we found like one of the main main issues in the black community is you know access to funding, um, and a lot of there's a various reasons as to why we don't get access to funding. But we're essentially creating like a uh, an investment or a funding pipeline for our black businesses to kind of get them into the shape where they can grow their business and then get access to this funding. Um, recently within the community, there's been a lot of, you know, black-owned um, investment funds, and not only black-owned funds that are kind of interested in um, investing in black-owned founders as well. So um, we're kind of building our platform, like, with all of the resources that we have for black businesses mm. in order to kind of carry them and put them in, in front of these um, investors to get investment in their and business. And you got a website now? Second, your website up and running now. Yeah, our website is up and running. Okay. Um, we're going to be launching the um, the the program probably by the time this comes out. I don't know when this is coming out. Um, the uh, the the um, the business growth program will be up and running. But um, yeah, you can check out our stuff at www.myblackmarket.uk. Fantastic. And any Twitter handles? Yeah, everything is my. Does black anyone still use Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Go on. So everything is my black market UK. So we're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Sensational. And yourself, so how can people get hold of you, sir? Tubbs Official on Twitter. Bloody hell, you just can't take these people anywhere. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but gentlemen, no, thank you very much. Thank you so much for today. It's been absolutely amazing. Golden nuggets have been dropped all at, like, even myself, I was learning so much. And... I know when we we have our conversations, we need to put half a day aside because uh, we go in. <laughs> we so, go for hours, yeah. Yeah, so, nah, it, it, it's, it's nice to actually just bring this out into the forums so people can actually see what we can actually do. So, no, most definitely. Um, thank you so much. Is there any parting word you want to leave for the fantastic viewers? Um, black unity is yeah. a beautiful thing. You know, black women, we need you and you need us. Okay. Yeah, I would second what he says. Um, I just say, you know, thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, you know, and just to iterate what you said, you know, people of like-minded should be getting together and, you know, pushing forward, especially in the kind of times that we're in now. It's about, you know, um, getting together with people. We don't know kind of a lot of uncertainty in the future. So I think that people should kind of just link up and, you know, work towards an agenda that benefits everybody. So, um, yeah. Totally agree. So on that note, thank you very much, um, Mr. Lister. Thank you, Tubbs, for being here today. Everybody else, I want to say, say to you, stay true, stay humble, and thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>